It's a story that's been almost inescapable this year, the galloping pace of artificial intelligence. Are we standing on the brink of an age when our biggest problems will be solved or where technology could get away from us in ways that could make our lives much worse? And most relevant to our purposes, what is the role of AI in healthcare? It has the potential to ease the burden on overworked clinicians and develop personalised medicine, but the data sets it works with involve some of our most sensitive information. One thing Australian experts agree on is that this only works if we're on the same page. A national plan for the safe and ethical use of AI in healthcare was launched late last month. Enrico Coyera led the work and I spoke to him earlier. It's a pleasure. So AI, we keep talking about it like it's far off in the future, but actually it is already being used in healthcare. How? AI has been around really for 25 or 30 years, and the last five years have seen it explode everywhere. You talk about healthcare, we use it every day as consumers. It modifies our social media feeds. In healthcare, people use it for things like checking their symptoms, should I go to the doctor or not? In hospitals and in medical practices, it's used for things like your colonoscopy has an AI in it. So it's everywhere, really. What is the promise of AI in healthcare if we can get it right? Look, I think healthcare is a good news story for AI. If you think about the healthcare as a system, it's under a lot of pressure. There are some figures that are always very sobering. So only about 60% of care that we deliver globally, not just in Australia, is in line with what's called best practice. 30% of it is often waste, unnecessary, and that 10% can cause some kind of harm. So those are challenges that all healthcare systems around the world face. And if we can somehow make healthcare more effective, more evidence-based, more efficient, then that's going to help everybody. It's going to reduce costs and improve the quality of service. And that's the promise of AI. Not that it's going to take over humans, but that we're going to be able to work more cleverly with the technology. You know, If you think about sitting down with your GP, most people today are used to the GP tapping away at the computer as they speak to you. These new generation technologies like generative AI offer the promise of what they call ambient listening. It can listen in and it could type the notes as you go, leaving the doc free to talk to you uh, as a human. So rather than getting in the way, some of this AI is actually going to make healthcare potentially more human. Especially when we're talking about our data, our health data, that's super sensitive. What are the potential pitfalls? The biggest problem I think uh, we face is that somebody will get our data and do things with it that we don't consent with. One of my concerns is what I would call unregulated use of AI. So we have in Australia a system where all new technologies get assessed before they're allowed out to be used. And technically, if you're building an AI, that needs to be assessed by an organisation called the TGA. But a lot of people are using things like ChatGPT, for example, to write letters and notes, but it hasn't been tested on it and we don't know it's safe. It's sort of strange to think of the TGA as being part of the regulatory framework here. It shouldn't be, but I sort of think about them in in relation to medicines and sort of medical devices. That's right. Is that enough in terms of regulation? We've developed this roadmap. What is missing from our checks and balances that is specific to AI that we can't already do with the checks and balances that we've got? That's a really good question. And uh, the way I think about it is to ask, what is AI doing that's different to the technologies we currently have? And One of the big differences is that it's learning. In other words, it's changing its behaviour over time as it sees more patients and gets new data. And regulation is kind of see once, certify once, off you go, and you only come back for rechecking once you've got a major change. 
So we need a way of being able to look at technologies once they're out in the world to make sure that things are are not going wrong. It's maybe not a great analogy, but I think we're going to be in a world where the technology has to be sent out with P-plates, that you need to be checking how it's going and maybe it's not really allowed to have full access to the roads until it's really been out for a while and showing that it's really as safe and effective. And we do that only because it's harder to assess these technologies than it is, say, a simple medical device like a blood pressure machine or something. So in the policy recommendations that you've made as part of this new roadmap, I'm reading about things like safety, ethics, security, the sort of regulatory side of things that we've talked about before industry sort of supporting it and and being part of it. And I think where there's money, there's a desire to be part of that sort of thing. What are the other elements that you see as being really important? One that's really critical is ourselves as consumers. A little bit of education by ourselves in terms of what is good and bad information, what recommendations to trust is taking us a long way. The same kind of education needs to happen for the workforce, the medical and nursing and healthcare professional workforce. And you mentioned industry. You know, the truth is that everything that we will see in healthcare that has AI in it has come from a company. And Australia has a really high quality but very small healthcare AI industry. So one of the things we're focused on is how do we build up local capacity? People who have studied this say the cost of a new product, about 50 to 60% of that can be the cost of regulation. In other words, providing the evidence that your device or your software is safe. So maybe some tax incentives or tax breaks there. This stuff doesn't come free. Like with ChatGPT, which everyone sort of talks about sometimes how flawed it is, that was a billion dollar investment that got it to where it is now. What kind of investment would we need to be able to have high quality AI that that does the job here in Australia? That's a really hard question if you think about it in terms of building these giant large language models, the generative AI like OpenAI has done in ChatGPT. There are probably only now three or four companies in the world who can afford to do this, you know, Apple, uh, Amazon, uh, Google. So maybe for the planet, one of our big challenges is that, you know, who owns these massive technologies is now in the hands of a few very small, large corporates. Healthcare is a little bit easier in the sense that we can pick specific problems like diagnosing a chest X-ray, get the data and build those algorithms locally. And I think, as you said, there's a will to do it, but we just need to cut these folks a break in the sense of giving them a chance to compete with the big globals. And that's where tax breaks will help. That's where getting access to high quality data to train your algorithms on um, will make a big difference. In terms of research and development, we've looked at how much Australia has invested over the last five years in healthcare. And it's about 0.9% of the healthcare budget that we could count has gone into AI in healthcare. And there were 84 studies or what we call clinical trials in AI around the world over the last five years. None were done in Australia. So at the moment, we're behind. And what we're pushing for is for an increase in budget. I'm not going to give a number because it's too hard to do, but we're definitely at the very low end of where we should be. Enrico, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Professor Enrico Coyera is Director at the Australian Institute of Health Innovation at Macquarie University and founder of the Australian Alliance for AI in Healthcare. And for transparency, I should declare that I facilitated the process that led to that document. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.